Carry on my I'm Jeremy Greer. I'm Chris Mosier. Lay your weary head to rest. I'm Stephen Vayu. Don't you cry no more. And this is Monster of the Week, a supernatural podcast. A creepy but necessary supernatural podcast. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the first episode in the pilot. We very much appreciate it. We got a lot of really positive feedback from it. I don't know why. People seem to like us making fun of this show. I'm um, just really worried that the Tumblr fandom is going to find out about it at any point, and we're just going to get drowned in um, anonymous Tumblr ask with you know shitty gifs making fun of I've us. I've already but, had to uh, explain myself to one of them. They were very understanding, but I had to get out front and, and stop the damage before it started. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week we're going to be covering episode three, four, and five. Um, episode three is entitled. I didn't do enough preparation for this podcast. Uh, Dead in the Water. <laughs> episode four is Phantom Traveler, and episode five is Bloody Mary, all of which are reasonably okay episodes. Yeah. Um, Steven, why don't you catch us up on what we have done so far? Sure. So previously on Monster of the Week, we found Sam living up the, uh, the college life, only to be visited by his estranged brother, Dean, who is searching for their missing father. Um, the brothers pick up hunting again as their search brings them across a woman in white. And after dispatching the spirit, Sam returns only to find his girlfriend, Jess, pinned to the ceiling, just like his mother 22 years previously. Now, with no other choice, the boys continue on their search, encountering a Wendigo in Colorado. Uh, that episode is kind of boring and nothing happens there. So yeah, <laughs> excellent, <we> good. <laughs> um, any thoughts on what we've what we've done there on the road so far, or do you guys just want to jump into the next episode? Well, are the boys in pursuit of their father still, or how did how do we get to Dead in the Water? I don't even remember this. Um, at the opening of the episode, uh, they're it's one of those classic scenes where they're like at a diner or something and getting food, and they're like you know. Sam is just in there with the newspapers circling that's right. possible that's supernatural right. shit like it's a fucking job application. <laughs> yep. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like Just going through the obituary circle, guys. <laughs> I've read the obituaries. None of them ever, ever look like that. Like, no. those are way more descriptive than any kind of obituary I've ever read. But yeah, he, he sees something that um, he it just kind of activates his supernatural <laughs> antenna i don't know i don't know how he's he hunter senses. Well, yeah, his hunter he senses. there that, you go but... he's pressing l2 for hunter senses <laughs> um and at that point they i think dean gives him some confidence like this doesn't really sound like one of ours and sam's like well what else are we going to do if we can't find dad and uh then we're just off into the episode and nobody really that does brings sound up like dad. sam so, yeah <laughs> i do a pretty good i do a pretty good sam impression i think it does sound real mopey mm-hmm um, Chris, what what is in the episode? What's our synopsis for Dead in the Water? Do you want our uh, Do you want the synopsis of the episode? Or do you want our monster? Um, let's start with the synopsis, and then when we actually, I don't even like okay. what is the okay. monster in this episode? Actually, it's, it's a vengeful spirit. These ones, <laughs> until Bloody Mary, these ones were so hard to find like actual uh, research on because demons, sure, ghosts, sure. That's just that's just everything. Yeah, what they are but the synopsis for dead in the water is a uh, there's a series of drownings in wisconsin in a wisconsin lake um the work oh is the, sorry i screwed it up it's <laughs> <laughs> a series of drownings in a wisconsin lake the work of a vengeful spirit i didn't know that that sentence was leading into a question uh a young eyewitness traumatized into silence by the shock of his experience may have the power to prophesize the next drowning Ooh. Dun, dun, um dun. 
just just overall of a minute before we get into the nitty gritty details uh i didn't think i was gonna like this episode and it definitely drags in, in several parts like again we go back to uh i really feel like this show could be like in a tight 30 and be perfectly fine uh, yeah you could, you could lose a lot of the some of the, you could lose a lot of the exposition but the um the cinematography and the filming and the way that everything and i think you have this in your notes too Stephen, about the color correction like everything yeah. looks really really dark and kind of inky and scary like it's actually filmed very very well yeah that lake looks really ominous whenever you actually look out over it like the 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 girl who goes swimming like she kind of just jumps in like, i've always had an aversion to lakes like they always creep me out um but like this one in particular i'm like i would never ever go in that water <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely black water. Like, it looks dark. And they're filming her from below, which is obviously echoing Jaws very purposely. But I also got vibes of, of Friday the 13th in this scene when the camera cuts back to just being back in the woods watching her swim around on the lake. And it just seems like some unseen observer is just creeping on her. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about this in the uh, first episode, or I meant to maybe, um, but rewatching these episodes again and looking at them with a little bit more of a critical eye, which... For the listeners out there, I'm not calling myself a critic by any means. I'm just saying that, like, now I'm 36 instead of 26 when I'm watching this, so I'm a little bit smarter. <laughs> um, but it's definitely it's definitely obvious in the first season that they're very much going for, like, a Tales from the Crypt, uh, Twilight Zone kind of horror anthology vibe just with the yeah, connective tissue. And, man, these these early episodes, like, they really they, – they, their A-game is just on point, like, with the directing. And there's a lot of really good shots. Like, it's it's way better than I had originally thought it would be in rewatching it. Yeah, the show seemed that, to really put its worst foot forward with those first two episodes as far as that stuff yeah. kind of goes. Like, because it immediately, like, I was getting, I was getting a little worried because I was watching Westworld immediately before making these notes. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to go back to Supernatural and I'm going to be overly critical of it. But actually jumping back in, I found myself really enjoying these uh, next three episodes way more than I had anticipated after last week's uh, episode. So that was a nice surprise. Yeah, they absolutely set the game up pretty hard. I think that these episodes, or the first episode at least, I'm looking it up now. I should have prepared this. I think it's directed by Kim Manners, who is a, mm -hmm. uh, an alum is. from The mm -hmm. X-Files. So he knows he knows the shit. Yeah, Kim is good. Uh, it's also written by Sarah Gamble, who's going to be to go on and be one of the showrunners of the show. And uh, That's right. May or may not actually appear in the show itself. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> who knows what will happen in this crazy show. Um, so yeah, it's, it's got some good pedigree to it. And again, I always like these shows. I mentioned this with the dad in the first episode, but like watching the, the directed by the written by and like the guest stars can always clue you in on like, Oh, this is going to be a good one. Oh yeah. 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 Well, let's get into it y'all. Um, so as we mentioned earlier, we open on a lake with a woman swimming. We get some classic, like Jason vibes of looking at this woman swimming in the lake from the edge of the lake, like that kind of point of view for, of the killer character that Evil Dead, Evil Dead did way, way, way back, and that pretty much every single horror movie has stolen yeah. since. <laughs> um, and then she's just sucked down into the lake, right? I'm not forgetting anything. Like it's just kind of yeah, scary no. and weird. No, yeah. yeah, that's about it. She just gets pulled down. Yeah. She hears some like I think she might hear some like creepy whispering or something, like because she gets like. Uh, Starts looking nervously around her. I don't remember exactly why. Yeah, it's like she can see, she can sense a presence. Like maybe her hunter senses are going off too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this world, everybody has hunter senses. Everybody has hunter senses. <laughs> just whether or not they know how to use them. Yes. <laughs> 
So we um, and then we get into like, and this is a this is a common trope of Sam and Dean showing up after something has happened and just inserting yeah. themselves either into the investigation or <laughs> worse into the family's grief. Oh, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, <laughs> the they bloody do it and- so bad in season one. Oh it's man. So- <laughs> We're going to get to it in a Bloody Mary episode, but, like, they literally crash a fucking wake. Like, that's yeah. wrong. Yeah. You should not do that. They should. I, I'll get to it later. Oh, yeah. We'll get to it later. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot to say about that. And this is also early enough in the show's history that um, they don't really go out of their way to make themselves look like the part. Like, we'll eventually get to the point where they start putting on suits and things yeah. and pretending to be FBI agents. Right now, they're just straight up in their civvies, like, still looking like, um, I don't know, like, Metallica roadies. Like, just yeah, showing like up Sam's and being like, his, yeah. Sam's got his standard brown hoodie and Gene's got, or Dean's got his uh, leather jacket on. So. Yep, yep, yep. Not, not looking official at all, right? No way. What do they say? They're like wildlife? Sure, conservationists or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous on all of this stuff. <clears throat> um, so just, it's just like my daughter drowned. Like, what do you want with me? <laughs> <laughs> and then we um, we meet pretty much who are going to be our main guest stars: uh, Andrea and her son Lucas. Um, right, right. Andrea played by Amy Acker, which is kind of an early like she'll go on to be like a kind of cable star, right? Yeah, oh, she's really that. good. Dollhouse is the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah, she's she's like one of those um, like character actresses that I kind of dig. So gotcha. I don't know. I've watched so much bad cable TV in my life that like watching <laughs> early Supernatural is like a who's who of like, oh, I know yeah. them from Battlestar Galactica, and I know them from Deadwood, and like it's it's mm-hmm. just all over the place. So I will probably continue to mention that even if you guys don't fucking care. At no, all. good, so. go for it. <laughs> Um, so after that, we, we realized that Lucas, who is, um, Andrea's son is like stunned to silence. And we get this like scene where <laughs> you would, you would kind of expect with the way that they've set up the boys so far that, uh, Sam would be like the sensitive boy with the big heart and the desire to help children. But we find out very quickly that it's actually Dean who's way more focused. And you can kind of tell that Dean sees a lot of like tiny Sam and they're like, here's somebody yeah. else he has to take care of. Um, which is actually kind of good. Like I kind of like this interaction between him and the kid. Like later, later on in the show, just due to what happens in the story, I think that Dean uh, gets a little bit more character development than Sam does. Uh, at least from the way the way that I've been uh, watching the show. Um, but like here, we get like a, a really early glimpse as to like these guys can actually kind of act really well. Um, and, uh, it was nice getting to see it this early in the show with, uh, the scene with Dean in the park, sitting down next to Lucas with the drawings and stuff. Yeah. It wasn't until later that I started making connections, like upon rewatching this now, uh, that I'm making the connections with Dean being good with kids. It's just something that never occurred to me until later in the season when there's like a, a kid who's slightly prominent in Dean's life for a period of time, uh, but it does. It totally goes back to like this is episode three that we're getting references to the fact that Dean took care of Sam when Sam was a little kid. So he he just knows how to communicate with kids in like a fairly positive way. Um, but he, they're also I think they're sitting there. And he's he's pointing at like the army men that the kid isn't playing with. Is this is this ringing a bell? Yeah. Um. Actually, I think that may be at the house later. I, I, okay. I could be wrong there. Like a There's lot of some army stuff. men lying around somewhere. Yeah, but yeah. we we know that I think later on that becomes a thing that like a, a memory that Dean has associated with army men. And I don't know if that's 
It's uh, actually I, here I, in the park. Yeah, that's whenever, whenever he first walks up, he makes a couple jokes about him and then goes over to the crayons and stuff. And I don't know if these are just two random things or if it was the same writer who did it on purpose or not, but those army men are featured later in a prominent memory of Dean's. And so it's interesting that he brings them up here uh, when like reflecting on his own past while talking to this little kid. Interesting. And the actual mechanics of this scene are, are pretty just normal. Like they're in a park. Um, the kid is drawing some pictures. Dean goes over and draws a picture of his family, which like, that's fine. But would you guys pay like real money to see the picture that Dean drew as he was sitting there talking to this kid? Because <laughs> I guarantee yeah. it's not great. <laughs> um, I mean, they but, show it. It's just some stick figures. So yeah, I, 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 I couldn't remember if they showed it or not. Of his yeah. artistic ability. <laughs> Um, I think the most interesting thing here is that he definitely draws his mom in there, even though his mom hasn't been part of his family for, you know, at this point, 84 years. So Yeah. That still um, gives a vision of how Dean sees everything. He's such a family man yep. that his mom, even not being there, is still a part of their family. And just like his dad, he's he's still hung up on his mother's death. Like, he hasn't Absolutely. let it go. Uh, pretty much the only person to have let it go was Sam, and then they came along and killed his girlfriend in the same way that they killed his mom. So. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Sam. Gotta drag him back down. <laughs> <laughs> um, the big thing that happens is at the end of this scene, uh, Dean comes back over and is talking to Sam and Andrea, and uh, the little kid, Lucas, comes over and hands Dean a picture, which kind of blows the mom's like mind, because she's like, he hasn't spoken or really communicated with anybody and since this horrible um, tragedy happened. And it's a picture of a house, which... Will definitely not be important later, right? No. <laughs> no, when kids draw things in uh, slightly horror bent fiction, no, it's never important. Yeah, um, at some, and I think it's actually right after this that they go to somewhere. I, I don't really understand. Like they, I think they go to um, somebody else's house, like maybe the family's house, and they notice that oh, the house that he drew is actually from this picture. Is actually from like this Bill Carlton person. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, before that actually is uh, Bill Carlton's uh, son. Like, first his daughter drowned in the lake, and now his son uh, is oh, drowned in the that's sink. When go back. Whenever yeah. he's do I can't mm -hmm. remember what he's doing. He's cleaning maybe some fish or something to get ready to cook them. Uh, and then, like, this really gross junk starts boiling up into the sink. Okay, here's my question He reaches down into the sink to unplug it. What is the point of that fucking chain? that's hanging from the top of the faucet if you're just going to reach to the bottom of the sink. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why understand you, that. Why would you stick your hand down like the murky water, right? Like that's not Ooh. a good that's not a good idea. This dude's son now gets like sucked into the sink, is that what or just drowned in the sink and then left there. Yeah. That's what happens. Well, he's yeah. he's trying to get out but he can't. So he gets he kind of gets sucked in and it's basically like somebody's holding his head down in the water. Yeah, which is super creepy. It actually kind of yeah. works. Yeah, that's actually him. pretty cool. Yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, I really like when they do, like, gross, like, fish guts, like, laying around and then, like, drown somebody by them. I don't know why, but, like, the attention to detail on some of the, uh, mm -hmm. um, what's the word that I'm looking for? On some of, like, the extra stuff that's laying around, the props, are, yeah. is really, really good for me. I, I dig it. Yeah, exactly. The, kind of the chaff that's around. Sorry, continue. No, there's a, there's a scene, I, I think, it may be before this. I'm not sure. It's after they talk to Lucas, when Sam and Dean get in their car. There's a little scene where uh, Sam starts talking about psychic kids. And kids who were able to have visions. Yeah. And it's just this little offhand comment on my case. Hey, I mean, what are you, uh, what are you getting at over there, buddy? Do you, uh, have anything you want to tell us yet? <laughs> <laughs> but you really it in such how an offhand early. Way. Yeah, I forgot how early that stuff actually comes up. Like, I keep associating all of that stuff with season two. Mm -hmm. But like, we get to that at the uh, the end of well, not this actual episode of the show, but like this, uh, the last episode we will cover that is like totally brought up and established that that's a thing. 
Yeah, he, um, he Sam is just so good at avoiding it for so long that it's easy to forget, especially upon your first viewing when you're going episode by episode. Uh, yeah. It's easy to forget that this little nugget of information was mentioned in two episodes ago and then it comes up again you're like oh yeah that thing okay and then you forget about it again and but obviously knowing the arc of everything uh every little mention of it even when he's talking about other other kids completely separate from himself having these psychic powers it immediately just maybe think of him and was to come with him spoilers so we, we kind of realize at this point that Lucas has been drawing stuff like he's he's psychically receiving images somehow, right? Like he's drawing bikes and yeah. uh, like a dude wearing a little bicycle or riding a bicycle and wearing a hat. And um, how do they like how do they track down the old lady? Who... Uh, the first drawing he gives them is of a house with mm-hmm. a very prominently uh, <laughs> um, inserted white church there. And they're like, man, I wonder where this house is. And Sam, <laughs> he's supposed to be smart. He's like, oh, but there's not that many white churches around. I'm like, why wasn't that the first thing that came up? <laughs> they act like they've been looking for the house for a while now. It's it's kind of weird, but this is when they finally find the house. It's it's occupied by like the oldest lady in the world, and <laughs> we're gonna see this in almost every episode where they track down somebody that like has history with whatever thing that they're trying to track down. And we have to like suffer through about seven minutes of exposition. Yeah. Like telling the backstory. I don't want to be ageist, but yeah, they pick the slowest old people (laughs) to talk in these episodes. I'm just like, okay. It's, um, it's kind of annoying really. Like this, this stuff is when I, when I talk about like the episodes being over long, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like I just don't need a lot of this exposition. This woman feels like they were trying to fill time. She repeats an important phrase though. She says losing her children is is worse than dying, and I think uh, is it Bill Carlton, when after his daughter and son are both drowned, he says it's worse than dying, and it's yeah, because like, I go back to him after speaking to this lady, because mm-hmm. um, you're oh well, I think something happened with Bill Carlton. I can't remember the sheriff's name. Uh, Just sheriff. Between, That'll do. Yeah, Just sheriff. sheriff. Yeah, Mr. Sheriff. There's only going to be one important sheriff in this show, and she's probably going to die at some point. So, <laughs> you. Um, but yeah, like uh, they go back and talk to Bill after that because they figure out well he he must have had some kind of connection to the kid. You know, something obviously happened to them because it's targeting uh, whatever is going on is obviously targeting. Uh, the- yeah, the old lady basically says, like, my son died 35 years ago, or vanished 35 years ago. We don't know what. So that clues them into something that's going on. And they're thinking that maybe the spirit is attacking Bill and his family, mm-hmm. which is why the daughter and the son has died. They run back over to Bill's place, and we get that awesome scene where it looks like, I, I don't know, like, did Jaws just, like, knock the boat up in the air? <laughs> like, it yeah, was crazy. Something like well, it's, straight, it's straight out of Lake Placid, which, I don't know, did this come out before Lake Placid? When did Lake Placid come out? It definitely came out uh, way before this because, because that, this was in that exactly happened in Lake Placid. Yeah, yeah. This came out in two thousand and five, and I was watching Lake Placid like in ninety nine and two thousand. So. Okay. Which, if anybody's out there, like is, is like, oh man, this 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 episode of Supernatural is kind of cool. I want to go see some more Lake Horror. Like Lake Placid is high up there just for Betty White by herself. But <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> At some point, <clears throat> the boys get in trouble with the sheriff. He's on to them. He realizes that they're snooping around in something that he doesn't want them snooping around in. Classic uh, bad guy syndrome right there. So he's, he's like, basically hit the road or, or you're in trouble. <clears throat> I also think it's interesting that he, in for the scene, the, the actor, the sheriff, he's yelling at Sam and Dean. He looks at Dean for like a second and then he turns to Sam and he, he the camera becomes Sam's point of view. He just stares directly 
at us at Sam and just screams at him and tells him to get lost. I'm like, why is he specifically <laughs> targeting Sam in this situation? Yeah, he should be yelling at Dean for matching his daughter yeah, so much. He's like, you know, hit the road, get out of here. But they end up going off to uh, Andrea's house anyway, right? Is that what? Is that what they do? Yeah, they they because at this point, like Bill is gone, and like they're they the original thought is like, hey, like the vengeful spirit has killed everybody. So not realizing that, but Dean, as they're on their way out of town, is like, well, actually, like let's let's maybe go back and check on that chick and just to make sure she's okay. Um, so they go to Andrea and Lucas's house, and lo and behold, like she is being pulled into the bathroom, like right, right, like pulled into the bathtub, like she's taking this nice, you know, relaxing bath, and it turns into lake water and starts. I took I took like, notes about that because. For her, it's like people in town keep dying. A strange hot guy has been like lurking around her traumatized son. Uh, she has a dead husband. Her dad just figured out that that hot guy isn't even who he says he is. So it's just some stranger, not a government official. And so her conclusion to all that is, I just really need a sexy bath right now. I just need a sexy bath right now. I'm she just gonna... slowly runs the water and like dips her finger in. She's like, okay, everything's going to be all right. <laughs> but seriously, this is um, – unless it has to do with her son, this is the most unaffected woman in supernatural history uh, because her husband has just died and she's like yeah whatever you know lucas is okay uh and then yeah, lucas her, is fine spoilers mm-hmm. her dad dies later and she's like we're fine she smiles we're, at the end of the episode okay. yeah like she's so she, fine she moves on so quick from <laughs> immediate family deaths it's amazing but you know good for her yeah, yeah, I do like this. Um, and just like the the lake scene is very reminiscent of Jaws. Like this brings back a lot of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street vibes yeah. for me. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and and there's like this is kind of a cliche for horror movies and begin like the woman in the bathtub or the woman in the shower or whatever. But like it's again, it's just filmed very competently and it's kind of fun to watch if you're a horror movie fan. Mm-hmm. Like those 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 scenes work for me very well. So good on them. And I feel it. like they uh, have to have Sam be the one to pull her out of the bathtub. Uh, because if it's Dean, then it's too sexy. It's yeah. Yeah, Sam, Sam is obviously in no way attracted to her at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but hey, Sam will get his in this series, in this episode, if I remember correctly. Like, I think it's in these one of these three. Um, or maybe I watched ahead too much. But maybe like, there's there's a moment <laughs> coming up where like Sam is like, oh yeah, my ex girlfriend just died on the ceiling, just like my mom did. You want to make out? So. <laughs> I know it's when you're, yeah, we're not on that one. Yeah. Exactly. We're not on that one. Okay. I couldn't remember quite when it came up. <laughs> yeah. Sam's going to get a little action from time to time. Yeah. It Which is eventually just, moves just to where he only gets the action. Then Dean is like the weirdo sitting in the corner. <laughs> like, so eventually where the show moves to. <laughs> Too so uh, Sam pulls Andre out of the water, and that's when she says, like, she heard a voice under there saying, come play with me. So we're kind of locked into the idea of, um, like, this is definitely some sort of vengeful spirit taking revenge on, you know, all this stuff. They find some pictures, I think, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, showing uh, Andrea's dad, the sheriff, and the Carlton family, like, all together, if I remember right, implying that, hey, maybe that there's some shit going down. Do you want to take a take a little peek at Dad's journal? See what we got for vengeful spirits. Let's open up Dad's journal. Okay. Now, like I said before, ghosts are pretty non-specific, but a vengeful spirit is slightly different. So there's only a short description, but it says um, from the Supernatural Wiki, aka Dad's journal. I don't think I need to specify every time. <laughs> nope. I, in fact, I'd like it better if you just say Dad's journal. Okay. So go straight with that. A vengeful spirit is one that acts violently to avenge a wrong done to them. While vengeful spirits are generally ghosts, the spirit may belong to someone still alive but close to death. I think we see more of that at some point later in the series. 
Um, and although vengeful spirits can choose to target those who have committed crimes against others, their judgments can sometimes be warped by their time spent dead. So I think that that whatever is happening here is either specific where uh, the spirit wants to hurt uh, the families of those who uh, hurt it in order to make them understand their mother's pain. Uh, but it's, it's also easy to see that it doesn't really know what it's doing because it's a, it's a dead spirit. It's, you know, it, it, it's just targeting whoever it can get close to uh, in regards to what happened to it. So, but I think this, this is more of a specific, I want you to feel the pain my mom felt situation. <laughs> and that's, that was actually verbatim me quoting dad's journal. So excellent. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> Very random. Um, so somehow or another, these pictures that they, they find lead them to go dig up a bicycle <laughs> somewhere. And I guess the, the whole plot at this point unfolds. And like they, the kid, some, I think the kid had an accident and they ended up, they tried to hide him away so that nobody would get in trouble. Or the kid yeah, like drowned the, in the The accident lake. was that they <laughs> held his head under the water too long and he drowned. <laughs> well, they, that's, that's an accidental thing. It can happen yeah, sometimes. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, ac they accidentally bullied him to death. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> They didn't mean to kill him. That's this almost happened kid. to me, by the way, and it's horrifying when that happens. Like, it is really terrifying. I think it is, I do have, like, a weird fear of the water, and it was probably led back to that exact thing almost happening to me one time in the pool. Uh, my friends, you know, we were all just goofing around, and then one time I started just really freaking out because I couldn't get a breath in. Like, oh. Kids are pretty cruel. Kids are cruel, yeah. So we go back to the lake. Lucas is pulled into the lake. Uh, Dean and Sam like dive under the lake and there's this extended sequence of Sam and Dean popping up like whack-a-mole like popping up shaking their head going uh, yeah. back under popping up shaking their head going back under and then they stop at one point and Sam looks up at Andrea and just shakes his head at her and he's like nope sorry I couldn't save your son he just immediately gives yeah. up he's not like I'll keep looking he's just like uh uh she's gone that's it <laughs> Whatever, Sam. And then uh, at this point, Dean has obviously found the kid underwater and he pops up with this like slow-mo water dripping off of Dean and the kid shot that we're going to see in the intro of every mm -hmm. single episode from now on. Like well, this will be. The, yeah. The reason he finds him actually is because the sheriff wades out um, when all oh, this is right. happening that's because right. they all yeah. run down there and see, because uh, I guess the spirit is drawing, uh, drawing Lucas out to the lake. Um, and then the sheriff wades out, and then uh, Peter winds up actually taking him instead because he's like, "Oh, you're who I really want." He essentially um, sacrifices himself because he's yeah, it's not much. even just I'm going to try and find Lucas. He's saying, "Take me, let this all be over." Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's when uh, Dean. So I don't know if if the spirit was just holding on to Lucas and he couldn't get a hold of him, or if he made Lucas invisible while uh, <laughs> trying to drown him or what was going on. As, as much as I like the idea of turning a child invisible underwater. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a hell of a Marco Polo that, talent right there. Um, three out of context. I mean, I that's could a, probably see like the, the spirit holding on to Lucas and dragging him to the bottom of the lake. Like, and then um, when the sheriff wades in and is like, take me instead, he lets go, the spirit lets go of Lucas and runs to the sheriff. So Lucas is floating back up. And then when Dean grabs him is how I kind of have it in my head. Yeah, that makes then. sense. I like my version better. But I also like the invisible kid too. So like 50, 50, <laughs> man, whatever you want to do. <laughs> and this is when we have the unaffected mother, um, just being like, yeah, my dad's dead, but like, you guys are pretty cool. Thanks for making my kid talk again. And Dean teaches him one phrase. Zeppelin rules. 
Yeah, Zeppelin rules. They also try even to, though there has been like no they, Zeppelin in the, in the show so far. No, just, and, and there, yeah. there never will be. <laughs> it feels like they try to play off the very beginning of this scene because it just like it fades to black with the you know the, the cool hero shot of Dean coming out of the water, um, and then uh, they fade to black, and then it fades up, and they're standing in front of the car, and then it kind of feels like they're trying to sell it like Lucas actually died. Because uh, Dean's looking real sad, and Sam says, we can't save everybody, Dean. Right. Yeah, I know. And then Lucas pops into the frame. It's all happy. Because, you know, that's the that's the important thing is, you know, we we lost all of these people. An entire family died. Yeah. But it's cool. We saved this one kid. Yeah, his father and grandfather are now dead. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> but the ghost has been vanquished, so it's all good. But has it? Because this is what no, bothers right. me about this episode. <laughs> is like they didn't burn any bones. They didn't, you know, salt anything. They didn't find any medallions that they had to melt down. Like as far as I know, the vengeful spirit is still in the lake, and they were just like, "Fuck it, we got to go." Yeah, <laughs> like, on to the next, right? <laughs> Although it's interesting that uh, this is the first mention of salting and burning bones, and which is something that they obviously do a thousand times in Supernatural. This is the first time they mention it, but. They don't actually do it in this. It's like almost like an offhanded, like, oh, this is what we would normally do, but we don't actually get to do that. Uh, and then they go on to do it in every other episode. <laughs> it just it just really bothers me that it just seems like such a dangling end that like, okay, the vengeful spirit waited 35 years to kill everybody and is now totally satisfied and is going to go away. Yeah. I'm like, what? No. Well, the reason it's it just going to keep killing kids. The reason it started has something to do with the dam. Uh, something with the dam. I don't remember a dam being in the show. Oh yeah, they were gonna they mention it once. They were gonna like drain the lake or something like that. <laughs> it was gonna dry up, so he had to like step up his like revenge game. Otherwise, I don't know. He was gonna evaporate, like all ghosts do. Sure. I feel like I should probably not watch these shows under the influence of alcohol and then podcast sober. Like either I need to do yeah. both sober or I need to do both drunk. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really working for me. Um, overall, I thought this was a pretty good episode. Like, yeah. We don't get a lot of like meta plot stuff. Um, you know, I think at the end of it, there's a brief mention of like, hey, we should go... Um, you know, find dad or whatever. Like there's some of that. And throughout the episode, there've been like these really significant looks between Sam and Dean as all of the family drama has unfolded, which like the subtext there is like, they've obviously got some family issues, but otherwise you can just totally interpret that as they're 100% in love with each other. So it just kind of <laughs> depends on like the angle that you're taking to approach the show. Also, uh, this is second episode in a row that Dean gets a smooch from a hot grieving yep. woman. That's true. Yeah, yeah. She comes over and plants one on Dean, and he's like, "Uh, I gotta go." Yeah. <laughs> he, he has all this swagger. He's really cool, but when yeah. it comes down to sealing the deal, he's like, "Uh, oh, bye. I gotta go talk to my brother." <laughs> it's um, pretty hilarious. I mean, as far as like these serve the week uh, type episodes go, um, this is very, very high up uh, on my list because they really kind of don't do this anymore after like season two. Um, like they'll have like one-offs every once in a while that are like, oh, this random monster shows up. But uh, and then after you know, I think six is whenever they kind of start picking this kind of style of show back up again. But I I really like this this run of just like random ghosts and monsters that keep showing up that they somehow get tied into to have to to take care of. Yeah. 
it's good stuff. And also, as usual, like we have some great music in this, like some rat, some bad company. Um, I've started tagging all of the songs that I hear on the show and creating a Spotify playlist so I can <laughs> listen to a Supernatural soundtrack. I think I was telling you guys some... that I accidentally watched the second half of uh, this episode on Netflix, and the 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 last song I don't even know what it what it was. It was the most garbage sounds I've ever heard. I was expecting to hear some kick ass classic rock, thinking that I still had my DVD in. Uh, and realizing that it was just i can't even describe it but i think it replaces bad company and it's it's terrible it's literally just yeah. butt rock is the only way to describe it so those out there rock. listening to or watching this on uh, on netflix please just just know that it's wrong <laughs> yeah yeah the, this is it's continuing our our trend of like please don't watch this worst season on netflix i'm hoping that the, the second i mean i'm going to be probably buying the blu-rays anyway because why not yeah but i'm hoping that like netflix will because I think the, the later seasons, they work out all the licensing stuff, and the music gets, like, worse during the episodes. So. <laughs> True, yeah. Once it moves over to the uh, CW, I, which I don't know when in the show that actually was. That. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I'm sure we'll be able to tell pretty quickly, though. Yeah. It should be pretty obvious. <laughs> more or not, more I have leather no idea. jackets in the promos. Yeah. <laughs> Are we, uh, anyone else have any wrap-up thoughts on episode three? I think that's it for me. Steven? Good. Well, let's move on to episode four, Phantom Traveler, uh, where we introduce a major, major component of the supernatural mythology in the form of demons um demons are going to make a they're going to be a recurring i guess you can't call them a character or a theme but they're going to be a reoccurring thing yeah. in supernatural until, they become for the so next 20 years that they almost become meaningless eventually <laughs> absolutely yeah they like, are the most recurring monster in the yeah it's it's interesting too because um they obviously like went out of their way to create these weird black smoke effects and like these weird designs and the black eyes and like some of this episode no longer really holds up to the mythology of yeah. like the demons that they've planted since so like even though i think this is a really good introduction like watching it with the full context of the show it's like what <laughs> like what is this demon doing again <laughs> well it's like uh it's just like in uh alien versus predator that film if you remember uh you find out that the predator in the first movie was just uh he was a kid predator and that's what's happening here he's he's a kid demon that got out and he's just messing around they even use a different exorcism on them. It's a different like spell or whatever. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they had man, really no. Him. Yeah, they they had no idea what they were getting themselves into with this demon shit. Yeah, which yeah. is great. It it like really just seems like it's supposed to be a one off thing. It's not yeah. you know oh demons will come back later and we'll figure it out then. It doesn't even seem like that. It just seems oh in this episode they they fight a demon and that's that. Like it yeah. just seems like <laughs> such a throwaway thing. Um, to set us up for the show, so do you, uh, Chris, do you want to read us the episode synopsis? Yeah, synopsis? I, I should be able to handle it this time. Uh, so Phantom Traveler, a plane reservation is a ticket to terror when a Phantom Traveler forces a jet into crash. Steven, did you write these? Or is this no? These are taken straight from the DVD. I swear. Okay, I, okay. <laughs> I was gonna ask a ticket to terror. <laughs> I really <laughs> wish that you wrote this. I do too. Okay. Knowing the Phantom is on another flight, Sam and Dean board to attempt an in-air exorcism. 
to that. Excellent. Uh, I have, did either one of you watch this with the commentary? Because uh, Jensen and Jared are both on this, and it's one of the few times that I've actually finished a, like a show with comment yeah, with the commentary yeah. on, and it was uh, it was actually kind of entertaining. Like it was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's so weird. I've seen interviews with them. I've seen them at conventions and things like that. And hearing them saying, "Oh, this has been a lot of work making season one." Yeah. They, <laughs> they had both, I think, only had uh, smaller parts in other shows. And Supernatural, is, it's an intense, it's a 45-minute episode. Uh, they're in basically every scene of every episode together. Uh, and they're like, yeah, you know, season two will be better. And we're hoping that this, you know, goes on for a few more years. And we're going to grow and get better. <laughs> Little did they know that 12 years later, they'd be doing the exact same thing. Oh, man. Yeah, it's 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 pretty funny, too, because they both have a, a pretty big focus on, like, the cinematography of the show. Like, yeah. throughout this, there's there's shots of uh, where they both are like, holy shit, Bobby Singer, man, you're nailing it. Like, yeah. this well, looks they, great. Uh, like, all of these one-shots and things. Uh, J- Jensen, like, he's, I think he either still, I know at one point he wanted to be a director. He, he directs um, some of the episodes of Supernatural later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is, it is kind of cool that they they point that out. Also, Bobby Singer, remember that. Uh, anytime that pops up for directing the episode, just remember <laughs> that name. Yeah, that'll help a lot. Uh, so our our setup here is uh, our cold open is basically there's a guy that's super nervous about flying, um, and you get like that jocular asshole that's on every single airplane was like, what are the chances? Eighty thousand and one? Like fuck you, number one. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck, I wasn't even thinking about that guy. Thanks. but he's super nervous to be flying and then we see this mysterious black smoke um creep out of the vents and enter through his mouth that's his eyeball and then his eyes is it his eyeballs at that point okay okay, like later on they use the mouth but for here it's the eyes and then um he looks at the camera and his eyes turn um uh black and we'll we'll the black eyes thing will be a, a reoccurring um trait throughout the rest of the show that'll always be good and this scene actually works if you take away like the knowledge that's what's coming with all of this stuff um just the way that he's working with the mirror the way that like it's filmed like the special effects don't look nearly as bad as they should like they actually look pretty good so i'm I'm kind of into all of this this is probably the most uh x-files feeling episode of supernatural i think that there ever is in just tone and just the way that they get everything. And it's easy to make X-Files references to the show, but this episode specifically, the way that it is structured, the visuals of everything, it feels very, very X-Files. I'm a big fan of that. I think that Supernatural takes a lot from X-Files in positive ways. Others might disagree, but uh, it has a lot of the same staff. And in certain episodes like this, certain moments, even just these guys talking to each other in the bathroom, nervous to go onto the plane. It just feels like a very X-Files moment in a way that's, it's kind of hard to pin down, but, Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's, it was rewatching this. I never used to like this episode all that much, but now after having gone back and seen all of the X-Files, it like felt very, it was like very, uh, welcoming to me, I guess. It just, it felt like a piece of television from the nineties in a good way. Absolutely. Yeah. I also want to mention that, um, this is our first time that we're going to see a guest star that's going to play two totally different people in the show, which is something that happens on a regular basis. Like the guy from the airport here will actually show up in like season eight or nine or something as a totally different character. Oh wow! So just, <laughs> yeah. And that happens two or three times. Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's places where like the same guest star will just play two or three different roles for no reason, <laughs> which makes me think that even the supernatural people don't really keep up with the Wikipedia yeah. on this stuff. <laughs> that's actually another X-Files move too, is a, a random side character and it's becoming one of the 
most important characters in the entire show. But he just plays two different people. <laughs> That's enough about the X-Files, though. I'm sorry. Um, so at this point, our guy's got uh, demonized. He's getting onto the plane. Um, we have this brief interaction with who's, with what's going to be our featured guest star, um, which is a lady whose name I do not remember whatsoever. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, just not, I, don't, I don't think Sam remembers I, it either. Yeah, I don't think anybody <laughs> actually remembers. It doesn't matter. She's the she's – the, um, oh, what's the – what are the She's what is flight her attendant? Flight attendant. Thank you. Words, guys. Words. <laughs> um, well, I think this opening scene actually does a really good job of like they very subtly show you the uh, people that serve that will survive uh, what's getting ready to happen. Um, and like I, I was actually really impressed by that. Like the the camera very subtly swoops over the uh, the three characters um, that will uh, will be reintroduced to later in the episode. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting. I like all of this scene, like setting up the demon, flashing his black eyes towards the flight attendant, walking through the thing, and then the obvious the the big the big action part of the show, which is where he gets up right after they take off to do quote unquote stretch his legs, walks over, releases the emergency door, then <laughs> <laughs> jumps out of the plane. Um which Guys, if you're a demon, right? Like you're an avatar of hell that basically can't die, but you can possess human flesh. Like this would definitely be on my bucket list, right? Oh, like just don't do it once. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't want to do it right now with people in the plane, but I don't know if being a demon just makes you a dick too. So I, I think yeah, it's kind of goes it comes with the territory. <laughs> you can't have one without the other <laughs> spawn of spawn of Satan. You know, set loose from hell. You know. Yeah. Probably not oh, yeah. So definitely no good demons. <laughs> we get a um, we get some pretty two important things in the next scene though. The plane stuff is done. The cold open is over. Two important things we get. One is that we find out uh, Sam hasn't been sleeping like at all. He, we don't really know until later in the episode why he's been avoiding sleep so much. Uh, but that becomes kind of like a major factor for the next few episodes. Uh, and two, we see all of Dean's butt. Like right, just right there, laying on the bed. Oh yeah! Like like essentially, the camera like falls from his thighs up, stops at his butt, and then just goes to show who's sleeping there. But I don't know why they linger the, in such uh, a way. It's the exact same scene from the pilot where they do this with um, uh, Jess, Sam's girlfriend, yeah. when she's laying in the bed, except it's just Dean this time. So, like, props. Because <laughs> it's the same exact shot, like the lingering up the thighs, I wear a pause at the butt, and then keep going. So, you know, props to them for, you know, delivering their beefcake along with the cheesecake. Right? They should have had it. So, like, when, when, they're laying, when Sam is laying in bed with Jess and he, and he pops up because he hears someone in the living room, it should have been the same thing. They, they pan over the opposite Dean's direction. butt, but then Sam pops up out of bed. He's like, "What was that?" <laughs> but uh, also, yeah. the hotel they're staying in is like they definitely just use this hotel uh, layout for every single hotel they stay in. Oh, pretty much, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. This Absolutely will be, every and it seems to one. change season to season, right? Like they, it seems like they make one hotel room set and then just redecorate it for every episode because, like, there are clear architectural stuff like there'll be like a certain window that's there in the exact same spot every yep. single time <laughs> like the same kind of clock like this really really obvious looking like spiky looking clock is in every hotel they stay in. it makes me think that there's only one hotel room in vancouver yeah. and that, this is it, that they get it they get like a different hotel room every year but there can only ever be one yeah so. they're pretty good with production values though on with many aspects of this show going forward 
And I think it's little things like this, the fact that they're just going to use the hotel room every time that allows them to focus on other things that will matter like, more. I feel like eventually it almost becomes like intentional because then they just start doing real wacky things with the uh, with the art or the, the set dressing in these mm-hmm. hotel rooms. Like there'll be these weird theme hotels that have the same exact little thing that's uh, in front of the door. And then the beds are laid out exactly the same way with the little table and everything in like, but it'll like be this really weird, wacky theme. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, this is exactly the same room. Just you guys decided to go like 50 style. Now. <laughs> and so much of those shots anyway, are just close ups on their faces or yeah. looking at them sleeping in bed. So it doesn't really matter the rest of the room. I think that they can get away with it, but it's totally oh, yeah, funny. It's totally like funny it. to notice these things yeah, it's, like it's something fun to watch yeah, watch yeah. for and it but it totally works and i would rather them do this and have the cool demon smoky special effects cgi stuff than the opposite exactly shitty cgi and like they're living in the downton abbey apartment yeah. or whatever <laughs> <laughs> um they're having this conversation and chris you mentioned this like we're, we're dean sam is not sleeping and dean is kind of questioning him why and he's like oh shit I'm, I'm, this job freaks me out like it doesn't freak you out you don't ever get scared and dean's like no man i never get scared <laughs> and then sam whips out like the biggest goddamn knife Cold i've ever seen knife. from dean's pillow <laughs> i mean that's like some like crocodile dundee shit like that is it's huge and i don't know about you guys like if you're sleeping in your bed, like every once in a while, you might like just put your hand under the pillow to like make your face more comfortable or yeah. something. Like Dean's fa- fingers have to be shredded at this oh, point. Oh, for sure. Yeah, keep that thing covered up. Like you don't need it. You don't need Why does it have a sheath? Blade. Right. Come on. <laughs> Dean's hardcore like that. It's fine. It's. I mean, it, these poor people like that run the uh, hotels that they stay at. Like he has to be ripping up the sheets with yeah. his knife too. <laughs> anyway, I'm focusing too much on knife. <laughs> Um, at this point, their cell phone rings and they get the call from uh, a guy that they've helped in the past. Uh, Dean and his dad has helped in the past and uh, looking to say like, oh, hey, I've got something that's, that's in your area. And uh, that's how they get wind of this uh, supernatural weird attack from the airplane, which I like this. Like this isn't their dad sending them on a mission. This isn't like yeah. them getting a note or reading like an obituary in a newspaper. Like I really like it when they present themselves as having a bit of a network uh when a, a character later is introduced like that'll get more solidified but i really enjoy like the boys relying upon like chains of information yeah. like having having people yeah. around it gives them some cool. clout too at least dean and his dad uh the fact that they have a reputation of being able to deal with this stuff and there's somebody who's specifically reaching out to them to help or to, to get help with the situation and like this dude is like impressed with sam too like apparently you know uh Papa Winchester and Dean talked Sam up the last yeah, time that yeah. they were here yeah. because he's like super impressed with Sam and it makes Sam feel very awkward about it. It's cool to see a client because I'm calling him a client because that's sort of what he is for Sam and Dean. Um, we don't no clients pay. We only get <laughs> this is not a client. That's right. We only get so many of these types of characters even throughout the entire history of the show. But somebody who's just like he's not a hunter himself, but he's just super chill about the whole thing. He's like, yep, and I know monsters are real. He's a civilian, but he's totally in on yeah. everything. He knows he it all exists, but he continues his life. Right, right. He can't do anything himself, but he's. it's just nice to be able to see them work with somebody who is like, I can give you some information. There's something weird happening here, and, and I don't have the tools or the know-how to figure out what that weird thing is. So that's where you two come in. Um, so we get this – in terms of Sam and Dean, we, we get them uh, a vision of their reputation a little bit, like I said. But we also mm-hmm. see – like some pretty like goddamn serious heroics in this episode as well. Um, we'll get to it later, but I mean, they get on a plane that is supposed to crash. Yeah. And yeah, when you really yeah. put it into context, like they get wrapped up into situations and they'll do the right thing. 
um, you know, they'll jump into the lake to try and save the boy, but it's like, oh well, I don't know. They always, but they put the they put themselves in harm's way. But in this, I feel like it's just such an incredibly selfless move to be like, well, if we don't get on that plane, it crashes. If we get on that plane, it still might crash, but we got to do something. Like exactly. let's just let's just go. Uh, and it, it was almost jarring at first to see like that level of heroics being like, what are you guys doing? Like, you don't know these people, but my older, my old brain says that being like, what do you guys please like think about, think about yourselves for a second, but no, like they're just, they're selfless dudes who just do this because this is what they do, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, that's something that's pretty much not going to change. And when it does change, like it's a big event for the show. Like whenever they stop being hunters, it's always a big event and definitely lasts longer than one episode a piece. Definitely. Um, (laughs) the, uh, (laughs) for the rest of the, for the, the actual moment to moment stuff, this dude, the airport guy plays them a, like a, the black box recording that has like some weird shit that they hear as, um, I don't remember exactly what the phrase is, something like no survivors or something. Uh, but there are survivors like Steven mentioned earlier, and they just happen to be the people that the camera kind of lingered on, um, the the first place we the first thing that they do is decide well we're gonna need some homeland security IDs let's go to Kinkos yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember being so impressed with this when I first saw it simply because he was like well nobody's seen it before we're not pretending to be FBI we're not forest rangers we're not police like nobody's expects us to be homeland security and when I was like sixteen or whatever watching this I was like yeah that makes sense. And then you Absolutely, realize like, yeah. exactly what that means. He's like, oh, that's, oh no. <laughs> There's no rule saying dogs can't play basketball, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they go and make themselves some IDs, which is pretty hilarious, and then go start interviewing the um, the people that survived. And um, like the very first one, they realize they find out is in a psychiatric hospital. Yeah. And there's a moment on the commentary of this, which I really appreciated because I, I didn't bring it up either. I didn't, it didn't even occur to me. Like we're, we see Sam and Dean on each side of uh, the younger guy that saw the guy open the door and he's like hobbling around on a cane. And I think it was uh, Jensen on the commentary that was like, was that a character choice or was the cane written? And I was like, you get to choose if you can use a cane or not. If you guessed on <laughs> <Awesome>. Supernatural. <laughs> I'm definitely going cane. Like I'm going to go find oh, the yeah. cane. And then use it. <laughs> I think that that is, it's going to come up a lot and they talk about it a lot, like the casting crew, but they, and they call it like the supernatural family. And it really feels like that when you watch these shows and that, obviously the reason that it's been on for 12 years is that basically seemingly everyone who works on this show loves working on this show and it seems like they treat i don't know this and it seems like they treat even you know minor guest characters with a little bit of uh respect and care where they're like yeah random guy who's never going to be in another episode who's maybe gets three (laughs) minutes of screen time in this episode you can choose if you want (laughs) to have a cane or not and that's, that's pretty cool i think that the little moments like that uh they they shine a lot in this show um, and he tells them that the that he saw this dude, um, like number one, open the the emergency door, which takes two tons of pressure or something. Like I don't, I love it when they get involved with all of these scientific facts. So that Sam can sound smart for a little while, and then they just yeah. forget about yeah. it afterwards. Um, he was a law then, student. He wouldn't even know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you how do you know about that? And then um, he tells them that uh, George had black eyes, which is their first clue that some shit is going down. Yeah. I'm not going to get into dad's journal on this one because with demons, uh, well, they come from hell. They're spawns of Satan. Uh, I don't want to get into their specifics yet because they become different later. They become more important and they, they are different later on. So I'm going to save that. 
And is there, besides like sulfur and stuff, like is there anything up to this point that tells us that the boys have encountered demons before or this is all new to them at this point? It's seemingly um, all new to them. I know that they have uh, some info in Dad's journal about them. There's things about holy water and exorcisms, but it's what any horror fan would know after watching movies you know it's not anything mm-hmm. like specific to the world of supernatural which we get later yeah i think yeah. they personally never encountered one but they know that uh that their dad did it's because of all the stuff in his journal and then i think they even bring up a specific uh case i think they say something about a case where he encountered a demon um but they themselves have not uh ever had to deal with one mm-hmm. And then we get to what may be the most fun part of the show, which is um, them realizing that, hey, like our our, our Metallica roadie gear is not going to be enough to get us inside to look at the plane yeah. wreckage. So they actually have to go and get like a suit and like dress up, which is really, really good. I can't remember what plays here, but there's a there's a specific song that plays here that's just really good. So. Oh, yeah. I want to say Rush, but I don't think that's actually true, so. Yeah. Move on. Yeah, let's get it. Let's, let's not get in the weeds on the on the music. <laughs> um, so they uh, they very they go break into the airfield, which is hilarious <laughs> with these <laughs> homeland security IDs. Um, yeah, they just kind of walk right I, in. The guy's like, "Yeah, okay, you guys are cool. Sure, yeah, whatever." Um, and then we they, we see them kind of inspecting stuff. Is this where they see like that? Sam is this where Sam makes fun of Dean's? Uh, emf indicator yeah, yeah. <laughs> where he's like i know what and he's like what is that he's like oh it's an electronic blah 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 blah, blah. he's like i know that why does yours look like a busted ass piece of shit and <laughs> Dean's like it's because i made it that way man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this episode really kind of brings to light like the, their kind of rapport really shines through in this episode like here and then later on the plane when dean is freaking out like yeah. there's some really good back and forth between them in this episode and i think it also that Sam is billed as the smart one a lot of the time, and it's overdone a little bit. It, but to not make Dean seem stupid, it's like, yeah, he can build his own EMF detector. Yeah, it's a shitty broken Walkman, but it still works. It still gets the job done. He's not a total idiot. He doesn't have the finesse, you know, <laughs> of of college Sam, but he can still get the job done. Hey, in college Sam, in the next episode, can't figure out how to turn um the fucking night vision mode on a camera. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, okay, so at this point, they find like some weird residue, and we flash over to Chuck, who was the other pilot in the, um, that from the plane that went down. He's a survivor. He's super nervous about taking a plane up again, and is talking with with his boy and being like, "Oh, I'm kind of nervous about this stuff." He gets possessed by the demon, and then goes up and then crashes the plane. And like the cinematography here is all great. Mm-hmm. Like I love this whole plane crash sequence. I love like the dude getting really excited and is like, "Come on, guy, let's let's jump up in this plane." Like the whole thing really works for me. It's yeah, really good. You, at this point, you're like, "Well, oh, this isn't gonna like." They really sell that like this is gonna go super bad like really well here. Um, I don't know. It's just like because I think it's don't did they at this point realize that they're going to go after the other survivors in the show or did they have not yet not yet because they just scraped to figure that out yeah yeah yeah. so they're once they i think once they find out about this dude crashing his plane but in the meantime like they have to go back and analyze the substance at the lab which is this dude's office like the (laughs) he's just got like i guess a spectrogram or something chilling in his office that he knows that it's sulfur i'm surprised that they would do so many plane crashes this was 2005 you know, it was yeah. post post nine eleven world, but it doesn't. I never got any weird feelings from this show. It just seems like something totally unrelated and unpolitical in every sense of the word. 
Yeah, I think it's because it's just, you know, it's, it is so abstracted that it's, you know, this demons possessing this dude. And like, I think also because it's played a little bit like, um, uh, Final Destination. Yeah. Or like, I kind of got those vibes from it where it's just like, oh, okay, well, you know, there's this thing where, you know, a lot of people had to die so that we could have a few survivors so that now we can have, you know, uh, a time, you know, taking character deaths for yeah. this episode. I think I think that it reads really well in that direction. I actually didn't even think about the possible um, political ramifications that something like this could have. The, what follows now is some of these like weird supernatural leaps of logic that like just let me know that I could never be an actual hunter. Like if I actually had to hunt down a demon, like. They go back after hearing that Chuck's dead. Um, they go back to their buddy, the airport buddy's office, and they realize that it's going down. All these planes are going down forty minutes after they've been in mm-hmm. the air, and um, forty because of the Bible yeah. is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember how they presented in, sh- in the show, but it's like, don't you remember like Noah's Ark? And I'm like, I mean, it rained for forty days, yeah. but like, are you really just basing that on a weather forecast? He just says, <laughs> he says, like. It's the Bible. Yeah. Noah's Ark, 40 days and 40 nights. And then he just goes, it means death. Like he, he has three <laughs> sentences and then he gets to, it means death. Like, well, does I mean, it? <laughs> it, it does. But like the, the unfortunate thing is the other references that that goes back to, no one would know. Like it was, it's just Hebrew right, names right. And, they, and then bad things happened in, in 40s. <laughs> it's like all it is. That's all I could find when I was looking up like demon lore. I was like, this is getting really religious and it's all hard to pronounce. So I'm going to back <laughs> off from it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I don't really remember what happens from here, guys. What do we, where don't are we going next? Speaking of the number 40, then don't they like, isn't like Sam like look up like every plane crash that went down 40 minutes into its flight? Yeah. I think something like that. It sounds like Sam. <laughs> like <Sure>. why? Yeah. <laughs> but at this point, I think they realize that the last survivor is the flight attendant who is now going to be going back to work. They try to like contact her before she gets back on the plane and they find out, oh shit, she's going back to work you know, tonight or something. So we need to stop her. So that's when they go to the airport and like, okay, we got to make sure we contact her before she gets on the plane. Uh, and Dean's first move for that is to, you know, he uses the phone at the airport to contact her, to call her. And he's like, Hey, um, I, your sister was in a car accident. So can you come help? And she's like, what the, what the, what my sister? But then she's like, hold on. My sister's at home. That's, that's not going to work. So first Dean dicks her over like that, telling her that her sister might be hurt. And then she's like, are you so-and-so's friend, like her ex-boyfriend's friend? So then Dean just pretends that her ex-boyfriend wants to get back with her. Uh, so really <laughs> she gets her hopes up with for that. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well, whatever. I still got to get on the plane. Sam, so Sam's like, all right, I guess I'll just go get some plane tickets. Let's go. But with, this is where we find out that Dean is super scared of flying. Yeah. That's I always I think that the, the the comedy episodes come later, but Dean like really like Jensen Dean's kills it. Out. This. Yeah, <laughs> he starts humming Metallica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but later on, like when the plane is like almost like crashing, and he's just in the corner screaming wide eyed. It's, yeah. it's, like, really great. <laughs> yeah, whenever they play up Dean being afraid of something, it's usually for comedic effect, and yeah. it almost always works for me. It's always really good. In an entire episode of that, a little bit later. Mm-hmm. I know. It's but this is that, that selfless <laughs> moment that I was talking about where Dean doesn't want to get on the plane. He's already afraid of flying, let alone with demons on it. Uh, and Sam's like, well, I'll just go by myself. So Dean being big brother Dean, he's like, well, okay, I can't let that happen. I will get over my fear for my little brother. And they both get on a plane that's supposed to crash. So unless they're Which, badass enough to stop it. Just like you said, is just mind boggling to me. <laughs> <laughs> like they must like, cause at a certain point, like 
I mean, I know it's their job and everything, but like, geez, like you must take your job way more seriously than I take yeah. my job. Because like, <laughs> if somebody told me I had to go sell a water meter on a plane that was about to crash, I'd be like, well, fuck it. I can sell that water meter. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> like, even if they stop the demon, the plane might still crash. Things, so many things could go wrong, you know? Yeah. You know what they any, say? Saving people. Anything could go wrong. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, sure, sure. I do like the little scene that we get of um, them trying to figure out <clears throat> excuse me try to figure out who the demon is and like tripping over people with the emf detector yeah. just yeah. he's just like slowly walking down the aisle like really non-subtly pointing the emf reader at people <laughs> i guess they're sitting there and then he acts like somebody hey, somebody would have invoked the standard ground law by now i'm just saying <laughs> dean is dean is a very suspicious post, person yeah speaking of post 9-11 there's no way that that would uh that that would be able to go down on a plane like a yeah. dude just real slowly walking through is being real creepy to all the passengers yeah i guess i guess they had to uh remove the scene um because it was a little too graphic for cw at the time but uh, they had to remove the scene where um Dean has to hide the EMF meter up his butt to get it on the plane to get through the security. Yeah. <laughs> they had to take all of that out. So yeah. yeah. Jensen mentions it like he had, he did some methane acting on that. That's, That's really they... sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well then he even like when they are trying to figure out, okay, we need to go talk to I think is her name Amanda? That's what's yes, coming yes. to my head right now. Mm-hmm. So we need to go talk to Amanda, the, the the flight attendant who was there before. Uh so Dean goes to the back. And he just the fact that this this man would just walk back there. I haven't been on a plane in a long time. I don't really know how it is. But that seems like again another red flag. She's like, "Oh, hi, sir. What do you uh, What do you do back here?" And he just keeps saying "Cristo" over and over because Sam tells him that <laughs> a demon will flinch at the name of God. That's actually another great comedic scene. He's like, "Oh, yeah. the demon, he'll flinch at the name of God." And he's like, "Got it. I know." And he's like, it's "Gotta be in Latin. Come here. It's gotta be in Latin." And he's like, "Yeah, sure. I know. It's Cristo. Okay." Cristo. Cristo. <laughs> but she. Uh, so at that point, everything gets a little weird. Dean's like, "All right, I gotta explain to you what's happening because." This is this is just too weird for me to really work my way out of, uh, and she's pretty receptive to the fact that what's happening is happening. Yeah, because they find out it's actually one of the pilots again. Like, a, which I guess there's another pilot who's super scared of flying because that's that's what they find out is that the the demon is getting into people who are really like stressing out at the moment, and they bring it up and then never do anything with it in this episode where Sam is kind of yelling at dean like hey you need to calm down because the demon you're totally open for the demon to come into you yeah at the moment and then that just never is a thing i was a little disappointed but for this episode anyway um and that's whenever they uh they just happen to see the uh the pilot um has black eyes which if i were a demon i don't know if i would just constantly be in black eye mode the whole time <laughs> is there like a benefit to having that do you have predator vision it's it, i think the problem is is that was when the demons get overexcited right it's like a little puppy dog doesn't yeah. really know what he's doing and he just can't help himself that's like the, <laughs> he's that's, just like ooh, he's like, kill him. <laughs> the black eyes are a dog's like uh what do you call it the lipstick on a dog <laughs> oh stop it <laughs> <laughs> that's gross <laughs> so anyway this is a really gross episode <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> they call the pilot back there. Dean starts punching him in the face. Uh, yep. Because that's, that's how you do an exorcism. And I, I forgot while watching this. I was like, is that even the demon? Or is Dean just beating up the pilot of the plane right now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get our first like look of holy water. And like mm-hmm. they start splashing holy water on the student. It starts like, steaming up and with a pretty cool effect. Yeah, he gets um, some like serious burns on him. I don't know if we normally get to see those later on. I feel like people, they yeah. flinch and there's the steam, but do they get those serious, like, gross-looking burns? 
the the show has a weird and it, it only really looks at this within the show's fiction once or twice otherwise it just tries to leave it alone but uh we're gonna get a little weird with the demon possession stuff like right now like if you think about it like they've sprayed holy water on this basically innocent dude and given him like third degree holy burns yeah. like, and once the demon leaves like those don't heal no like this dude still has burns <laughs> yeah he's so fucked <laughs> <laughs> he's just gonna wake up and go like holy shit what did i do so at least he didn't crash a plane though so yeah at least he didn't crash a plane this whole thing is is, is really good like i like this this whole scene is, is fun like they're just going back and forth and trying sam is trying to read from the dad's journal about the um the exorcism thing in latin uh there was a really enjoyable part of the commentary where he's like you know i took latin in high school but apparently it wasn't the right latin so i had to do something to i had to learn all new latin and i was like there's different latin yeah i didn't know that i took latin uh, in high school as well <laughs> not the, not the supernatural kind but no, 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 not the yeah. supernatural kind so yeah and at that point they uh at this point the demon escapes from the body right they finally evicted it but then they don't know what to do with the actual demon now that it's there yeah, because I think like he just, like the journal gets thrown from his hand or something. Because it's supposed to be a two part exorcism where they manifest the demon, which obviously because that's what happens in these types of shows, it makes the demon more powerful whenever that happens. Um, but then it also is susceptible to be exercised back to hell. But I think something happens where he loses the journal and he can't exactly remember what comes next. Yeah, they haven't memorized the exorcism <clears throat> quite yet. Which they, they will realize that, like, they, they're going to need to do that at some point. <laughs> I remember, like, not spoilers, but the scene where Sam first reveals that, like, he's, he's reading from a card and a demon knocks out of his hand. And then he just keeps going. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, Sam. Get him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some really badass moments that, that, that we're going to get to with the brothers that I'm, I'm pretty excited yeah. about. Uh, meanwhile, like, despite this plane taking, like, a nosedive and then leveling off and then landing and, like, there's all these security people around, like, nobody points to Sam and Dean as the yeah. weird dudes on the plane. <laughs> yeah, no way. <laughs> and Amanda totally covers for him. Like, Amanda yeah. is like, oh, yeah, everything was fine. They were just getting juice. Like, they don't, she just covers it completely, so they don't actually get in trouble. <laughs> and then we we move on to the, the last of the episode. Yes? Yes. What, the last of this episode or the next episode? Sorry. Last of this episode. Okay, so sure. uh, we're like, this is where they find out that um, their their dad has updated their his voicemail, so proving that Papa <laughs> Winchester is alive and basically just shoveling more work onto his kids. So that hey he guys, can be leave one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> voicemail. He's updated it. <laughs> I just like uh, I like the idea of Papa Winchester being like, "Hello, ha ha, fool you. This is my voicemail. <laughs> Call my son." <laughs> <laughs> and then this obviously brings up some questions of like well if he can update his voicemail to point you know to our phone number like why doesn't he just give us a fucking phone call which like agreed 100 yeah. percent yeah. agreed we eventually get to a point where he's literally in the same uh house as them and then is still hiding from them yeah like, again, another episode <laughs> or two <laughs> like what are you doing you're literally in the next room <laughs> At first, cut these seasons down to ten episodes if yeah. they just didn't hide. hide secrets from one another. <laughs> At first, I, I used to really like John Winchester. I, I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan as an actor, and I was along with the boys. I was like, "Oh, we got to find him. We got to band together, right, guys?" And the rest of the fandom just seemed to hate him so much. But looking back, I'm like, "Yeah, no, he's uh, he's pretty awful to them. <laughs> just throw him a bone." <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. And that's pretty much it. That concludes the uh, Phantom Traveler episode. Yeah. And I, I said it at the top of the episode, but, like, this is a big deal. Like, 
people out there who are watching along with this show, like we're going to see lots and lots of demons. Mm -hmm. This this mythology gets explored and um, kind of tailored to the supernatural universe, which I think is really good. Like right now it's pretty generic, like Christian demon stuff, but we're definitely going to start tying these closer and closer to the boys and to this, the show's own mythology, which it's in very much danger of collapsing under by season 12. (laughs) (laughs) But for a few good seasons, it's really, really cool. Yeah. And uh, I, I think overall, this 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 episode is a win for me. Like, there's not a whole lot of shaky, overlong dialogue, like exposition at each other. There's some pretty good funny moments. Oh, we didn't bring up, and I specifically wanted to mention this. Uh, did you guys notice what Sam is wearing when they go back to analyze the sulfur at the at the lab or whatever? Wait, he's got his did collar popped out of his jacket. When he's got his collar yeah. popped, like, what is with those 1970s lapels, man? God, it's so oh, bad. What are you doing? <laughs> I understand you want to look cool, but you could just like loosen your tie, take out, you know, undo the top button. That gets the job done, but you don't have to pop your collar up over your blazer like that. Like he's just letting everyone know how relaxed he is. Yeah, even he even has his chair turned around backwards. He's resting his hands on it like that. It's 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 very hello fellow teens to me. Like that's exactly what it seems to me. Like he's trying to pretend to be the like the the twenty three year old guy, not the thirty three year old guy that he actually. <laughs> but anyway, so that that episode works for me. What what about you guys, Chris? Do you have any any wrap up thoughts on that? I do like that episode. Like I said before, it reminds me of a good X Files episode. It's it's contained within itself. Like even though we have demons, none of that is going to extend beyond uh this episode in like with this specific demon and uh we get a little bit of the the sam's not being able to sleep stuff going on there the plane experience is very harrowing it's very cool it's very selfless of the boys like they're like big time heroes in this episode uh but yeah it's a fun ride yeah absolutely like i think the uh, it simply because it doesn't have that scene where they go visit a creepy old person that talks for way too long (laughs) like this episode really moves like they are it is this doesn't ever really slow down at any point, except for whenever they go talk to uh, they talk to the one guy in the uh, in the uh, mental institute, and at that point we're getting new information that's really interesting to hear. Yeah, I think um, it helps that their that client is, isn't like a grieving mother; it's a dude yeah. who's like trying to solve a mystery. Yeah, exactly. And like they're like they're constantly moving from place to place, and then they have to like drive like five hours to get to the plane at the end. Like it, this episode moves really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. I think uh, I think this is a good one in the pantheon. It's and again, Stephen, you mentioned this earlier, but like, man, episodes three, four, three and four are so much better than one and two so far. Yeah. <laughs> like they really they really put the bad foot forward and then yeah. and then like immediately picked it right back up and it started rocking it. So. read off our uh, Stephen's carefully written episodes and <laughs> Yeah, these are so well done, Stephen. Thank you so much for taking the time. I worked hard. Um, okay. Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. An incantation uttered during a game of truth or dare unleashes a ghoul who lives in mirrors and kills by gouging out the eyes of her prey. I just want you guys to know that I, I took the bullet on that one and said Bloody Mary three times. So Yeah, I was, I was even going to say you don't have to read that part. <laughs> yeah. If Chris vanishes and you guys want – if someone out there wants to replace him on this podcast, just yep. call me and let me know. <laughs> now, I feel like 
I, I feel like this should have been one of the earlier episodes. Like this should have been episode two because Bloody Mary to me is such a well-known urban legend. Like when at least when I was growing up, literally everybody knew who Bloody Mary was. If you put that as your yeah. episode two, being like, oh, they're doing this thing. Yeah, I want to see that. That sounds scary. Uh, but they go with the Wendigo. Who again, I had heard of that, but that's all, way more obscure as far as uh, folk tales go. Absolutely, yeah. I think if I'm, I'm, I may be misremembering, but I, I vaguely remember there being like a teaser trailer of uh, like all of the stuff that they were going to do that like Bloody Mary was prominently uh, featured in that and like all of the monsters that they were going to do in, oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the show in the first season and like seeing Bloody Mary was like the clue to me of like, oh yeah, like this is going to be specifically like urban legends, like Bloody Mary, Hookman, Wendigos, like they are going after all of these things that like the ghost stories that you tell your, your friends over campfires yeah. and stuff like this is this is going to be super fucking cool. Can I hit you with a Bloody Mary backstory from Dad's journal? Let's do it. Uh, okay. Bloody Mary is a folk- folklore legend consisting of a ghost, phantom, or spirit conjured to reveal the future. She is said to appear in a mirror where her name is called three times. The Bloody Mary apparition may be benign or malevolent, depending on historic variations of the legend. Bloody Mary appearances are mostly witnessed in group participation play. Now, the ritual of Bloody Mary. Uh, historically, the ritual encouraged young women to walk up a flight of stairs backwards while holding a candle in a hand mirror in a darkened house. That alone is really creepy and weird to me. Uh, as they gazed into the mirror, they were supposed to be able to catch a view of their future husband's face. There was, however, a chance that they would see a skull or the face of the Grim Reaper instead, indicating that they were destined to die before they had the chance to marry. In the ritual of today, Bloody Mary allegedly appears to individuals or groups who ritualistically invoke her name. Uh, this is done by repeatedly chanting her name in a mirror placed in a dimly lit or candlelit room. The Bloody Mary apparition allegedly appears as a corpse, a witch, or a ghost. It can be friendly or evil and is sometimes seen covered in blood. The lore surrounding the ritual states that participants may endure the apparition screaming at them, cursing them, strangling them, stealing their soul, drinking their blood, or scratching their eyes out. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. So did you guys ever do the, the Bloody Mary stuff as a kid? Like yeah. I never even though I knew about it, um, like I never actually like played like it was always like on the TV show. Mm-hmm. Like it was a scary movie thing for me. Uh me and my friends, we actually did uh Candyman. Uh we were not uh ready for it. We watched Candyman uh, Clive Barker's Candyman, which that movie's super intense. <laughs> um <laughs> uh and it's it's a very similar thing where you just say his name three times in a mirror kills you with this giant meat hook that he has attached to his body. That's times. what we did. Yeah. My experience was, uh, it was in the early 90s, which I now just basically associate with like spooky things like this, like Goosebumps and uh, playing Bloody Mary. Uh, I was, I must have been five or six years old. I had, I have older sisters and they had uh, older friends. My my whole neighborhood was older kids. So being like the little like shit nose like nerd that I was, I was just trying to tag along with everybody. And they were like, "All right, Chris, we're gonna we're gonna give you a little test of courage today. Go into the bathroom and do this Bloody Mary thing." And I was like, "No, I don't. What are you talking about?" Uh, and they just described to me what Bloody Mary was. And I remember being so scared, but wanting so badly for them to think that I was cool that I was like, <laughs> "Okay, I'll go along with it." So I will never forget this. And uh, I went into my my bathroom, my my old house. All the lights were off. Uh, my sister lit a candle, and then she just like closed the door. And then like they were holding it tight. And they're like, "We were not letting you out." And we hear you say it three times. And I've never, I don't think I've like ever been more scared in my life than being five or six years old, <laughs> staring into this dark mirror in my dark bathroom 
and and saying Bloody Mary three times. And in my mind, I 100% I saw her. Like, that's what I believed for so many years was that I saw her. And then I was like, no, I didn't. That's that's ridiculous. But for <laughs> the longest time, and still to this day a little bit, I have a hard time looking in mirrors when it's dark because of that one traumatizing childhood experience <laughs> where I thought that I saw a Bloody Mary. Um, I know that there's some sort of uh, phenomenon where staring at your own reflection uh, in the dark causes you to see things. Uh, like your eyes will start to move around and things like that. It's like a trick of the brain. It, it, it's like a scientific thing. There's an explanation for why it happens. And I don't know if that's what I was experiencing as a child or if I was just picturing a bloody witch in my bathroom mirror. But I was also afraid of the Virgin Mary for a little while. I, I was, I, like I said, I was five or six. Like I was super young. And, and they were just sort of like, they were the only Marys that I knew. It was the Virgin Mary and Bloody Mary. Oh my God. So, yeah. How did I you just feel didn't... when Pearl Jam covered that Proud Mary song? Did that, <laughs> did that fuck you up too? <laughs> so that's my experience oh. with Bloody Mary. This, this is, that's why it's one of my, uh, my favorite stories that Supernatural does in season one is because uh, it hits close to home. Let's get into kind of the nitty gritty of the episode. I, I very much like the opening of this episode uh, because it does like the classic supernatural fake out of like you think something's going to ha- bad is going to happen to these like little girls who are doing the Bloody Mary thing in the bathroom. Um, and it turns out, no, yeah. Bloody Mary actually is going to yeah. be dad. It's a really cool scene of him coming in and he's like, hey, girls, can you, uh, can you be quiet? And him walking down his hallway after with just he has 150 mirrors hanging up in every inch of that thing. Uh, you get to track the ghostly apparition yep. of, of Bloody Mary in all of the mirrors as it goes. It's super what, cool. What's also cool is like, if you notice like later on in the show, they really pointed out in this episode, I mean, they pointed out, but like you also see her in the window um, that's next to the mirror, which I think is really cool that they're already laying yeah. down that she could just be in any reflective I don't uh, think I even noticed that uh, surface. Yeah. I only noticed it this last time. I was like, Oh, that's a real neat little, yeah, uh, very detail. cool. Yeah, it's 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 a really cool scene, and then he sees you know something in the background and something in the mirror. Then his eyes just start bleeding, and uh, unfortunately, his older daughter comes home, and after calling mm-hmm. her younger sister a dweeb, which yeah, is or is it a geek? Like she yeah. uses some weird like insult for brothers and sisters, like. Um, but then she goes up and finds the dad's body and then does yeah. that classic like horror movie girl scream, which the this supernatural, if it does one thing really well, it's finding mm-hmm. women on the show that can do the horror movie scream. Yeah, you really know well. that's the first so thing they good, do in their audition. Good on them for always including <laughs> that. All right, one hundred percent. One hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't know. Do they, do they even go into the details about how, uh, they find this or that they just, they, we go back to Sam and Jean, Sam and Dean and they're just on the case at this point. Like, I don't think they it's do. another one of the, I think it's Sam or Dean circling, uh, Steven Shoemaker, like at the father's gotcha. picture okay. in the paper. Yeah. Cause the way, cause the, I, th- I can't remember. Is it before or after the wake? um, that they go to the, uh, to the morgue to see his body? Because like they they look at it like that's kind of a weird way for someone to die for their eyes to just kind of liquefy like yeah. that. They start at the at the morgue because there's that scene where uh, Dean is like trying to do his con man act and it just totally fails, and so Sam just starts whipping out twenties. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, he so they pay the the attendant or whatever to, and then the, the attendant does that like great more guide bit where he gets really overly excited about how bad the body is. He's like, Oh man. And then their eyes liquefied and <laughs> blood everywhere. Rocks. <laughs> like it's really, it's really creepy and bad. So, 
And yeah, there is a lot of blood on the floor. When it, like we don't, we don't actually see his body in the opening, but like all of his blood is on the floor. And then what did I say? Went through his eyes, and they're like, he had an aneurysm or a stroke or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> that doesn't do that. That, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and then this is where the boys decide, like the best, the best use of their time is to go, uh, like, interrogate a grieving family. <laughs> Like yeah, they walk up into this house, like they own the place and it's a full on wake. Like friends and family are there. Like people have brought food. People are grieving. They walk outside to where the daughter is, where both of the daughters are with some of the older daughter's friends and just start asking questions. Like, and they're yeah. still wearing their, their normal, uh, brown jackets and jeans. <laughs> like yeah. they come in and one of them says, Oh, we're, we're a little walk. underdressed. And yeah. that's you, think? you look around, you see, Oh, okay. Shit. This is probably a bad time. They could have even waited 45 minutes and then come back until a lot of the guests have left and being like, oh, sorry, we missed it. We were busy because then they pretend like they knew her dad. But yeah, yeah, it's just the only reason they get away with half of what they get away with is because all of these women find them attractive, which they which the show goes out of its way to mention (laughs) like, oh, yeah, those creepy guys were very cute, weren't they? (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys seen the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling? Yes. Yes. The mm-hmm. only reason that anything in that movie happens is because Ryan Gosling is a hunk. Yep. Like, he's standing there silent being weird. And the same thing applies to Supernatural. They are so <laughs> creepy and weird. They're hunks, so it's okay. Yeah, hunks get away with everything in America. That's just disappointing. <laughs> Super disappointing. Uh, the boys decide to, like, they, they question the, the sisters. And the younger sister says, well, you know, I said Bloody Mary and, you know, now my dad's dead. So that's obviously what happened. And like Dean pulls out what you think would be something really comforting. And so you kind of think about it for more than five minutes. He tells her, well, like, you're the one that said Bloody Mary. So it obviously couldn't be that because your dad is the one that de- is dead. And I'm like, are you telling that chick that Bloody Mary yeah. is real? <laughs> like, is that what yeah. you're doing? <laughs> that and here is all of the guilt because you said it. Here you go. Yeah. I think he's like trying to level with her. Like a kid, are, she obviously already <laughs> believes in it. So to her psyche, it's not as easy to just say, oh, it's not real. He's just saying, oh, well, it is real. But, you know, it's not he's his fault. He's way better with kids that just can't talk back is what it is. True. Exactly. That helps. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I do love the scene where they sneak upstairs and do the EMF thing and they find like a signal in the bathroom or whatever. But then one of the older sister's friends comes over and is like, what are you guys doing? And it was like, we were looking for the bathroom, like together dog. Yeah. <laughs> like, you guys are close. huh? <laughs> and she calls them out being like, you don't work with her dad. Her dad worked by himself. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, Girl, what do you know? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> who the fuck are you? <laughs> her her daughter know. believed them, but the, like, but Charlie, the friend, does, I think her name is Charlie. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's another uh, lady, Charlie later on in the series. too. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So at that point, like uh, there's, they basically say that they're a form of police, which is basically like saying like, Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, basically lying to you. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm kind <laughs> of the police. They're not kind of police. Either you are, or you aren't. <laughs> Uh, gives her uh, the phone number to call him in case something weird happens. And then we flash to this conversation between uh, these two women who are obviously the older sister's friends. And one is being yeah. like the typical, like, again, this is one of those cases where the casting is so weird. Like, I think they want you to believe like this is a high school chick, right? Like this chick is like mm-hmm. 17 or 18, but she looks like she's 32. Like, and she's a good looking yeah. 32. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but like, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. she's, she definitely looks like 32. And, 
she's on the phone kind of making fun of this girl for believing in Bloody Mary. Uh, says yeah, Bloody he's Mary. talking to Charlie. And yeah. it's, it's two of the girls who are at the wake, and Charlie's the one in the car driving, like, hey, weren't those guys kind of creepy? Yeah, to be fair, Charlie's the only one who's really taking any of this seriously. She's yeah. concerned about her friend. She's concerned about the strangers wandering around in her friend's house. <laughs> yep. You know, she's not, she's not fucking around with this stuff. <laughs> Excuse my language. I keep swearing. I apologize. Oh no, no, we, we're marked explicit on iTunes, dog. Car- carry on. <laughs> I can't. I can't stop myself from cussing anymore. So don't don't worry about yeah, that. I can't either. Uh, it's all right. But we my get coffee finally kicked in. So excellent. <laughs> we uh we get a really cool scene where uh this Jill chick says Bloody Mary three times into a mirror, and uh, they they do this effect several times in the episode, and it really works for me, and it works just about in every movie that's ever done it, uh, where your reflection stops being your reflection and starts yeah. acting towards you. Man, that's fucking good. I, I really, really mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, there's a there's a really um, not very good horror movie with Kiefer Sutherland. I think it's actually just called Mirrors. Um, it's not good, but the moments where it actually like the ghost in the mirror takes over and like they just kind of start doing different stuff and like the reflection will kill themselves in a real weird way. Yeah, like that that is so creepy and good. Yeah, it's the best moment anyway. in Silent Hill Three. When your reflections. Stop following you. Anyway, we're not here to talk oh, about this. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> the Silent Hill 3 podcast, Monster of the Week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One day. <laughs> we'll get there. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> um, so throughout, so at this point, the boys are going to investigate this chick who died, and they sh- they find... Oh, also, uh, before we move on from that scene, sure. there's Fall Out Boy playing in that scene. There is. And I feel like that yeah. needs to be pointed out, because that sticks out so hardcore from the rest of the music in this show. Yeah. It's, um, but it's actually, a, like, if they're going to make you think that he, she's a teen, right? Like she's a really cool teen. Oh, it's cool perfect. teens yeah. listen to Fallout Boy. <laughs> like, sure, that's what I know. Oh, about I remember teens. that. <laughs> you can uh, you can hear all about my, my other opinions about teens on my other podcast, <laughs> Monster of the Week. <laughs> cool teen of the week. Cool teen of the week. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my coffee is running out. I might need to go get some more. Flagging. <laughs> Just replace it with alcohol. Now you're fine. Oh, excellent. Yeah, weekend. yeah. Quarter to ten in the morning. That sounds great. Um, right, let's do this. Let's keep moving. Oh, that's right. I forgot you're an hour so they they investigate Jill's death and uh, they find a name behind the mirror uh, and it says Gary Berman and they they start researching this stuff and uh, sure enough it turns out that maybe Jill has killed this dude so obviously like whatever spirit is haunting these mirrors are going after people that are have uh, or that are guilty that have done something super bad. Um, they find out that like maybe um, the the dad who died at the beginning I guess like killed his wife yeah yeah like i guess is what they imply which like that's pretty hardcore right right that dude murdered somebody like with jill it was a hit and run which isn't good um but i feel like that's really different than just murdering your wife and then staging it like yeah premeditated murder with the cover-up is definitely way worse than i accidentally hit somebody texting on my phone i mean both are bad like there's different but there's there are different (laughs) levels in our current legal system anyway one is one is one is you go to prison the other one is you're matthew project it's fine (laughs) oh god i mean is this the point where you noted that sam is like we got black light in the car yeah there's there's (laughs) i don't think it's quite yet but it's but it but it happens uh, like and it's just so casual where he's like you got that black light in the car right and like yep yep totally why like yeah of course they do what it makes me wonder if they actually like do the black light in their hotel rooms when they go to sleep at night just to make sure um but they kind of track down uh based on this clue they, they track down the death of a woman in a neighboring town um Named Mary, ironically or not, ironically, uh, sure. And they start investigating this, this all this stuff, and um, they 
what is the situation where they this other girl, our French Harley, goes into like the bathroom or, or whatever? Like this is a this is a really weird one for me. Like I don't. They're at school, and I man, I can't remember the uh, the older daughter's name of the guy who got killed in the beginning. Um, Donna. I wrote she's it down, in the bathroom yeah. with them. This is after Jill is the been girl. Killed. I'm sorry, it's the girl who has the same haircut as Sam, right? Yep, <laughs> they both are <laughs> yes. rocking the, the same bangs. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, like uh, Charlie goes into the bathroom after her, trying to tell her, like, "Hey, something is going on." Um, and those two creepy dudes, they're I think they're going to try and help us figure it out. And then uh, the uh, the older sister is like, "No, that's stupid." And then for whatever reason, she decides to say Bloody Mary three times in the mirror. Um, and then Jill is, uh, or I mean, Charlie is obviously freaking out about this. And so we know that something, she's done something in the past. Um, and she starts seeing Bloody Mary in like the, the windows. I think, I think, is this where we, uh, she sees her in her teacher's glasses? Yeah. 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 Which is kind of a cool shot. I like that a lot. And she's and she's just she a, freaking right the hell out and runs out of school and nobody chases yeah. her because it's such a real shitty school for thirty somethings. Right, they're just like it's <laughs> fine, whatever. She just had a mental break. Let's leave her. Yeah, yeah. We, we still got to get through this Kim one at one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and she but she has to go back to school when this is all done. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah she's got to face up to this. She's got to go to prom. With well, she's got to look at a mirror or something after this is all done. I feel like they leave her in like such a bad position, like psychologically after this is all over. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah, this is starting our trail of wreckage that's going to be behind the Winchester brothers. <laughs> <laughs> They're effectively like Dark Souls protagonists. Absolutely. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Just like they should just not do it. <laughs> Someone anyway. has to bring it up. Sorry. <laughs> I did get I did get shit about mentioning Dark Souls on the Supernatural podcast. Really? Yeah. Oh. That, that shit somebody just made a comment. Do they know you? Yeah. Absolutely they do. So that's why they were going to be shit about it. Um, they finally tracked down the mirror that uh you know, they're trying to find like the mirror that, you know, maybe it was originally possessed so they could in theory go break it and stop all this stuff. And they very quickly find out that um the original mirror was sold by our brother to like this collector's thing, which they go into this like antique house and as far as I can tell, it's just an antique house for mirrors. There's nothing else yeah. in this place. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no like side tables. <laughs> there's not a uh, like any desk the or anything. Most specific antique shop. <laughs> yeah, it's like get your. It's like mirrors, you know, R us or something. It's really bizarre. Do you want to hear the story of uh, the Bloody Mary from this episode? Let's do it. I have that yeah. as well. So Bloody Mary, while still human, was known as I think I have to make that distinction. While still human, <laughs> while still human, was known as Mary Worthington. She lived alone in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, she was a beautiful nineteen-year-old girl who had participated and won several beauty contests in her hometown and aspired to be an actress. However, on March 29th, someone broke into her apartment and murdered her, cutting her eyes out with a knife. This is pretty brutal. Jeez. Uh, in her final moments, she tried to write the name of her assailant, but in vain. She only got around to write T-R-E, which local authorities suspected was Trevor Sampson, a surgeon. He was, however, never apprehended. After her death, her spirit lingered on and lived in the mirror in front of which she had died. She went along with the mirror everywhere, and while hunt haunting it, killed all those who kept gruesome secrets of unsolved of unsolved deaths by gouging out their eyes when someone utters Bloody Mary three times in front of any mirror. All those suffer the wrath of Bloody Mary have their eyes taken. The victim's eyes begin to bleed, and after a while, their eyes are taken from them and they die. However, it only happens if the victim is in front of a mirror. There you go. 
what weirdly specific town like did Bloody Mary lucky out to <laughs> into getting her mirror sold into that like the first four people that say Bloody Mary have happened to kill somebody like this is yeah. so <laughs> this is so great for her like this really is her like her her land like this is where it's she's really gonna shine and they're all like friends too all these murderers <laughs> it is really yeah. like like you say like is is the store actually called Needful Things or are you is that just a joke in your notes Jeremy. That was that was just a joke, like because it me really and my wife is the town from people things with just the most awful people living there. <laughs> <laughs> it really is, yeah. Just it's, needful things is like just just only for mirrors though, like no no yeah. Elvis sunglasses, no none of no. that stuff. <laughs> um and yeah, like so at this point, like they are gonna. The idea here is that Sam has told Dean, and we we probably need to get into this a little bit. Um, Sam has told Dean, like, I'm going to summon her and she's going to come after me because I've done something really bad in my past. And Dean's like, why don't you tell me about it? And Sam's like, no. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to go for 22 episodes a season if I told you. And he also says it wouldn't be a secret. So he has a somewhat plot reason for it. But then even afterwards, I don't think he he wants to tell him. No, no. I think very specifically, it's like some things need to be kept between no, for between us or some shit mm-hmm. and i'm like okay like, dude, no. just talk to your brother <laughs> you literally have to spend every waking moment together that's not true <laughs> you need to talk yeah although spoilers <laughs> at the beginning of the episode sam already kind of showed us what it was because he has his nightmare or whatever where jess is saying like sam why or whatever just, yeah which is new that's something that that's a new addition to uh his nightmare that we're that we are given privy to so Sam goes to the mirror and they find the original mirror in the Needful Things shop and uh, says Bloody Mary a few times. And about this time, like, I guess an alarm got cut off or got tripped. And so yeah. Sam has to go deal with the police outside. And this is a plot thread that, like, never goes anywhere. Like, there's this, like, weird joke of, like, oh, yeah, we're the owner's sons. He's like, you're Mr. Nakarawa's son? It's like, we're not. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I'm probably butchering that, that language. So excuse yeah, me. It's, but, it's like, a Japanese last name and it's just Dean standing out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Hunk Dean fun. standing there. <laughs> like well i was adopted <laughs> yeah and, but that, they don't ever actually follow up with that like we just see uh at that point we go back to sam and he's you know bloody mary is is a, stolen his reflection or whatever and is accusing him of killing jessica and of saying like you know it was your fault it was all your fault and his eyes start bleeding of course yeah that's actually a really cool effect i like the way that the uh the skin like flakes away like old wallpaper and then the eyes start bleeding uh it's actually a very cool visual effect yeah, the the special effects and, and we mentioned a little bit earlier with the mirror stuff, like it just it's really really well done. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm into all of this stuff. Um, man, these are three great episodes. <laughs> I didn't think yeah, about really it beforehand, are. but no, these are it, really great episodes. Can we find out why uh, Sam thinks that he killed Jessica? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, we find out that he's actually he had that nightmare that we've been seeing over and over again. He had that for weeks before it actually happened, before Dean ever even showed up. Yeah, and that's a pretty. That's- I don't know if they added that in later i've always wondered this if that's how granted we're only on episode what five here so Mm -hmm. it's not as if we've gone two seasons and then retcon you know episode one uh but it's really interesting it's a big twist you know this is the first big twist of the of the series is sam dreamt that his girlfriend was gonna die but never did anything about it because he didn't know and not just he didn't know that it was she real. was going to die. Like he dreamt the exact way that she died mm-hmm. and completely ignored it. Despite like, I mean, if you're a hunter, right? <laughs> like, I feel like I you could get away know. with that, but you have to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but I think the thing with this is uh, he's obviously been told how his mom died, but mm-hmm. Dean 
and John have they saw her. I mean, at least John. I don't know if Dean actually looked up and saw his mom burning on the ceiling or not. But they both saw it. Sam was just a baby, so he wouldn't have an actual memory of that. So to be dreaming the exact same thing, uh, that's going to mean something. And I also think he, I mean, they established that he is like, and they continue to establish that he's hardcore trying to maybe not forget all of that life, but to really leave it behind. Like he wants absolutely nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that actually it's kind of believable that he would dream that and just be like, that's super weird. And like, he has the, the stress of finishing, uh, whatever law college he's going to, (laughs) (laughs) and, and, you know, so I can, I, I think that actually works really well that it's like the, the, the guilt that Sam is carrying at this point, I think plays really, really well with what actually was going on Mm -hmm. uh, with his character at that time. How do they beat Bloody Mary? I know she crawled out of the mirror all yeah so they, you know, they break style. the first mirror and think that they're kind of over and then like she actually like totally like from the ring crawls out of the mirror yeah. and like is looking at them both of their eyes start bleeding and that's when uh, dean gets the idea to hold up a mirror to bloody mary and then of course like it's one of those like oh the gorgon's magic works against her all yeah. along like she, you know, <laughs> she the, the bloody mary bloody, bloody mary's herself exactly yeah. <laughs> Oh man, uh, Bloody Mary's herself is like a weird expression. <laughs> that maybe needs to be the episode title. Um, but yeah, like she, her reflection starts like screwing with her. Like you killed all those people, you did this, and her eyes start bleeding, and then she's like, goes up in a puff of smoke. Looks well, really no, cool. she disintegrates in like this really cool again with the mirror effects. Like she disintegrates into this cool like, like she begins to melt and then like shatters into a million tiny uh, little mirror pieces, which actually looks really cool. Yeah, she bloody marries herself. Yeah, <laughs> she bloodies Mary. That's herself. what that is. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that gets us to the end of the episode. We we give it an exchange between Sam and Dean, like we usually do, where they're having their heart to heart at the end, and uh, Dean's trying to convince Sam to say, Dean like, actually hey, pulls over the car." Yeah, yeah, he he gets kind of first... frustrated. It was like we need to we need to talk, and uh, and Sam still doesn't give him anything. Sam still is like, "Oh no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you." I gotta say, this is legitimately one of my favorite scenes in all of Supernatural. Happens at the very very end of this episode when Agreed. they have their little talk, and Sam is like, "Some things I just gotta keep to myself." He's clearly he's thinking of Jess after everything he just went through, and the Impala starts driving away, and Sam looks out the window as uh, was it laugh I nearly died by the Rolling Stones plays. Mm-hmm. And it's just the perfect song for this this moment, and it's it's such a shame to not have that song because I, I have watched it in the past with uh, on Netflix without this song, and it just it, it is not the same. Yeah, that would he just looks out, kill that moment. He looks yeah. out the the window and sees the the ghostly form of of Jess. She's just standing there, straight face with her white nightgown blowing in the wind, uh, and it's just so provocative. Her like staring back at him, and it's it's always been really unsettling. It gives me legitimately gives me chills when I see it. And they drive past, you know, the telephone pole that gets in her way and then she's just gone and that's it. And Sam doesn't know if he saw her for real or, or what it was, but it's a very unique and very powerful moment in, in this season for sure. When when I first was watching it, I, I, I guess I misread it whenever, cause he's talking about keeping something from the, you know, there just needs to be some secrets. And obviously he's talking about the vision that he had. Right. Um, but um, she almost looks a little bit like a woman in white there. And whenever I was first watching the show, that's actually what I thought. That I was like, oh, oh like, Sam was like cheating yeah, on her. I like that idea. Like that. Um, and then obviously that's, that, that is absolutely not the case. Um, but yeah, I think even, you know, without all of that, absolutely, you're right, Chris. Like that image, like the way that that is shot and the way it's, uh, 
the the pacing of it, the you know just how it moves and everything is so so good. And I think it it, it is something that like uh, I I don't really know. Maybe I just haven't watched uh, any other show that is like on a channel that's like this. You know, like the, any of the other CW shows that are on there. Um, but like the the depth of the direction and uh, the blocking out of scenes and everything just has actual moments of almost brilliance uh, in the show and like moments like that, where it's just like, that is what puts the show or part of what puts the show so high up uh, on a list of, uh, you know, stuff that I, you know, really love to watch just because of moments like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just looking at the credits for this episodes, I don't recognize the director whose name is Peter Ellis, but uh, it was written by Eric Kripke and a couple of other guys. And like, again, looking at the credits, like Kripke knows what he's doing. Like yeah, anytime is... Kripke shows up he, in, in these first uh, few seasons, like, it is going to be a killer episode as far as the writing and story. Good stuff. Yeah. If you were going to cut out all of the filler episodes or all of the, uh, the monster of the week episodes, if you wanted to just say, Hey, uh, you want to catch up on supernatural, just watch these ones. You'll get the main plot and you'll get there. Not that anybody should ever do that. You should watch every episode, but this is one that even though it seems like a one-off, it's like super important to the mythology because of all the Sam Winchester, Jess guilt, vision stuff. Yeah. They do a really good job of tying in like, Oh, here's this new monster with a new town. They have to solve this mystery, but then like making it like in also weaving it in, into integral plot things for the rest of the show. They're always pretty good about that, but they are, they'll bring it back around in some way. At least the boys will have some form of, a conversation but this episode going into it i only remembered it as the bloody mary episode where they hunt bloody mary but i forgot about all the, the context around it yeah they do a, a really good job of, of providing that context and it's something that over the years they're going to get better and better at like mm -hmm. as you know it, starting in uh, probably next season sometime like you'll actually be thinking that you're on a monster of the week episode and it'll turn into like a very critical like overarching plot yeah, episode, absolutely. which is which is really really fun when that happens like you know, we're going to go kill this Wendigo. Oh, shit, the Wendigo was a demon that killed my mom. Like, it's, it gets, <laughs> that's not an actual plot line that I know about anyway. But, yeah, I, oh, man, it's, it's, it's good. Like, it's surprisingly good. When we started this, I was really thinking, like, I was going to have to rewatch it. And the first, you know, few episodes we did would be kind of a slog because they, they would be bad. And the first two were that. Like, they were kind of a slog. to, to But these next three are great. The next episode is fucking amazing. I've already watched yeah. it. And then, you know, going forward, it's looking pretty good so far so I'm, I'm excited to get into the rest of the season i'm, I'm ready for it yeah me too it took i think it took till uh episode five last night when i watched it to finally be like okay yeah i'm ready to binge all of this you guys were saying that it was hard to like stop yourself from watching the next episode yeah it's just, it's hard not to binge man like it, once you start getting into kind of a rhythm like you just want to watch the whole fucking series <laughs> yeah even though i'm doing a podcast about supernatural i forgot how much i loved supernatural Oh yeah, absolutely. Like just like the the like you said, the rhythm of the uh, of these episodes, like just like the banter that they really start developing in these uh, past couple episodes. Really, it just it they grow it so well. And then like in the music, like you get so pumped at the beginning and end of each of these episodes just because of the soundtrack that is going on. Yeah, like whenever like the Impala just drives off into the night, like God, that is like. What a way to just make me okay. I want more of that. I want to see where they're. I want to see where that the that road is taking them. Yeah, I want to see what monster they're going to so take on next. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that wraps us up for this episode. Uh, Chris, where can people find you on the internet? I am at Local Bones on Twitter. Steven? I am at FromSoftJunkie on Twitter. 
You can find me at JG Greer on Twitter. You can find the podcast at MOTWcast. Um, and then you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Tumblr. Just look up Monster of the Week. You'll probably find us. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to the episodes. We very much appreciate it. If you can, go out of your way and leave us a couple of iTunes reviews. We're a brand new show, and having reviews and ratings really, really helps us get noticed. Um, if, you're, if you've noticed any um, maybe factual errors, maybe just keep those to yourself for a little while. We don't really need to hear them. We don't really care them. <laughs> But in all seriousness, if um, if you want to write in, I, I don't, I haven't actually talked about it with these two guys. We'll probably eventually do a feedback episode, maybe at the end after season one, in between season one and season two. So if you have letters or thoughts about supernatural or like opinions or, or whatever, just send them to us. It's the, you know whether it's Twitter or email or whatever, you can you can find us just about everywhere. So yeah. again, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Good. Goodbye. Awkward silence. <laughs> I was I was expecting Chris to jump in there. Don't worry, I'll edit all I'm that still, out in post. I'm, or probably not. I'm still waking up. <laughs> this is the problem when we uh, stay up all night watching supernatural episodes and then yeah. record at eight o'clock in the goddamn morning. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. We love you. <laughs> <laughs>